Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through Genesis one chapter a week, and today we get to Genesis chapter 47. We see the family of Joseph settling down in Egypt. We see uh, a really nice interaction with Pharaoh, and we see the shrewd and sensible planning of Joseph as this famine gets worse. If you've not read Genesis 47 in the recent past, go ahead, press pause, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's word. So Genesis 47 begins like this. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with the flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. Now we pick up this right after Genesis 46, where Joseph had told his family, look, I'll go and speak to Pharaoh. And when he calls you forward and asks, what do you do? You tell him that you're, um, you're, you're, you're shepherds, you're farmers, you, you keepers of livestock, uh, because that's not something that the Egyptians uh, want to do themselves. They don't prize that very highly. So, you know, logically, they'll probably just want to leave you alone uh, to your quiet life. And so he goes in and tells Pharaoh, look, uh, everybody's here. And we read in verse 2 that Joseph took from among his brothers five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Now, Joseph, we said, is without Pharaoh the most powerful man in all of Egypt. Uh, yet he still needs to seek permission for his family to you know, live and work and, and just kind of be there, basically. So... They're going to see Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, well, what's your occupation? What do you do? And uh, they said to Pharaoh, as Joseph had told them to, uh, in verse 3, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. And then in verse 4, they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Now, again, this just speaks uh, of how highly Joseph was viewed by Pharaoh. We've said this a couple of times. And even now we're seeing it again that Pharaoh says, look, whoever's able among them. So there must be. You, you know, you're, you're claiming that you're a long time shepherds, farmers, livestock keepers, uh, whoever's, you know, pretty decent at it. Let them look after all of my livestock as well. So he's, he trusts Joseph, doesn't he? And um, we'll talk about this in a little while. The, um, the, the wonderful Christ centered, Jesus focused uh, application for you and for me uh, to come out of Genesis 47 verse 6. But anyway, we'll come back to that. For now then, uh, Joseph then brings in Jacob, stands in before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now, according to kind of local culture and teaching and tradition, Pharaoh was basically a human embodiment of an Egyptian god. I think it was the sun god. So for Pharaoh to stand there and accept this blessing uh, from, from Jacob is, is huge. And Pharaoh says to Jacob, you know, how old are you, basically? How many other days of the years of your life? And Jacob says, uh, I've been sojourning 130 years. So basically, I've been a pilgrim 
moving through life, I've been wandering through life towards my permanent home, at home with the Lord, for 130 years. Um, Jacob says, few and evil have been the days and years of my life. And I read this week that he's not, he's not being particularly negative in saying this. Um, And he says, you know, look, my life, uh, the years of my life have not attained to the days and the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. So he's not lived as long, he's trying to say, and uh, he doesn't feel like he's lived a life um, of as much achievement, shall we say. He doesn't feel like he's done as much as his father's and uh, he blessed Pharaoh went out from the presence of Pharaoh and again the fact that Pharaoh accepts a blessing you know doesn't stop him as uh, he doesn't stop this blessing as blasphemous he accepts this blessing from Jacob is testament to the fact that you know there was something different about Joseph and Jacob and these guys and especially Jacob the one you know through whom this 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 promise of God was going to come there was obviously something noticeably different about him that Pharaoh revered by Egyptians as God in uh, in a human form accepts this blessing from him and we see that so they go out from his presence and uh Jacob and the gang they're settled Uh, as Pharaoh's commanded them and Joseph provided his father, brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. So basically he's given them everything that they need uh, to live on. And then for the rest of the chapter, verses 13 to 31, well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. The rest of the chapter is uh, is this account of... the, the, the famine and, and how things have got worse and worse and worse. So we read in verse 13 that there was no food in all the land. So this was a famine that had gone well beyond the borders of, of, of Egypt. And it was so severe um, that the whole land, the land of Egypt, the land of Canaan, languished by reason of the famine. So things are not going well. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain uh, they had bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So he is honest, he is trustworthy. We've seen that in how Pharaoh interacts with him. And we read that when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. So, like, you know, look, things are so bad that people are just running out of money. And they're saying, right, you just need to give us the food now. So Joseph says uh, in verse 16, give your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. Um, So... Instead of just buying food and grain outright, Joseph now starts this system of bartering, of trading, so that you give me your livestock and we'll trade for food. Reading verse 17, so they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. But then things don't get any better because when that year was finished, they come back to him the following year and they say, 
simply, look, we're not going to lie to you. Uh, our money is, is all gone. You've got all our herds and livestock. You've got all our animals. There's nothing left to, to pay with except for ourselves and our land. We don't want to die, both we and our land. Um, so they say to him in verse 19, buy us and our land for food. And we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh and give us seed that we may live and not die and that the land may not be desolate. So things are getting so bad that the people here are willing to sell themselves into slavery just so they've got food to eat. And we read in verse 20 then that Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh for all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe on them and the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people... He made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Uh, only the land of the priests he did not buy because they had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. And then in this next passage, 23 to 26, we see that Joseph addresses the people and says, Look, behold, uh, this death bought you and your land. Now here's seed, here's food, you, you can sow it, you can grow it, and at the harvests, then you need to give us a fifth back. So he's very shrewd, he's very sensible. That's why he was in this position anyway, wasn't it? He was, he was wise and, and sensible and, and insightful, very divinely so. And here he's, it's kind of the same vein of things. He's very shrewd and sensible in his dealings. He knows that they need to store up grain and food because people are coming to buy it people are coming to trade for it so sow it grow it give us a fifth of it four fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your households and as food for your little ones and they said you have saved our lives and may it please my lord we will be servants to pharaoh so joseph made it a statute concerning the land of egypt and it stands to this day when we read that we need to remember it's not this day the day that you read it it's the day when these written records were compiled. It's the day when this was written down. And this written record said that Pharaoh should have the fifth, the land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh. So basically, Pharaoh has kind of, through the circumstances here, acquired, shall we say, much more land, a lot more people to work for him, and a great deal, many more herds and flocks and animals basically and then in verse 27 we see that Israel settled in the land of Egypt and the land of Goshen and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly and if you read around this you're going to see a, a big range of figures you know they go from 70 to 100 maybe in, in not too many years the family grows at quite a high percentage and if you follow those calculations through Apparently, when they left, they could have been a nation of a couple of million people, uh, which is tremendous growth. And we said that that was aided by the fact that Egypt was quite a divided society. So they were kind of left to themselves to, as we read, be fruitful and multiply greatly and still retain the distinct kind of holy characteristic of God's people and by holy we mean set apart and distinct and, uh, and different 
I'm going to read in verse 28 that Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147 years. And then it comes to the time he's going to die. He knows this. He called his son Joseph, said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And Joseph answered, I will do as you've said. And Jacob said, swear to me. And he swore on him. And Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. So he's coming towards the end of his life. And he wants to have Joseph promise beyond all reasonable doubt in his mind that he is not going to be buried in Egypt. And if you've kind of just joined us in the last few weeks as we're walking through Genesis, this might be a strange um, sign. This might be a strange way to evidence a promise and a covenant. Uh, we talked about it back in Genesis 24, uh, verses 1 to 9. Uh, this happens with Abraham and Abraham's servant. And um, you can go back and, uh, and listen to that if you want. Maybe we could put links to it in the notes uh, to this episode. But anyway, it's a, it was a very local and uh, customary way of sealing a covenant of, uh, of of making a promise basically don't bury me in Egypt let me lie with my fathers carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place and Joseph says yep yeah, sure promise that I will so Genesis 47 then we see kind of the story progressing you know the family settled the famine gets worse Joseph is still being shrewd and sensible uh, in his administration of the land. But for me, the biggest takeaway here is that when Joseph's family are standing before Pharaoh, the ultimate authority in the land, they are basically blessed beyond belief, aren't they? You know, settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. The land of Egypt is before you. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men, put them in charge of my livestock. They're blessed beyond belief, all because Joseph has been so obedient, so faith-filled. Joseph has saved them, and now the family is being blessed because of that. We said this famine stretched well beyond the borders of Egypt. We said in verse 13, there was no food in all the land. So it's not too much of a stretch to say that Joseph had saved the world, the known world, the world that this took place in. Joseph had saved, and now a great number of people are experiencing blessings and prosperity and, and security and a hope and a future because of what he did and how these blessings are just cascading down to them. So Joseph's family inherit a blessing because of the work of a faith-filled, God-obedient man. And when we read passages like this, it's a great tool to have in your Bible reading to just stop and pause and wonder how would Jesus have explained this on the road to Emmaus? 
how does this fit with the principle we read in John chapter 5 where Jesus says, look, you look in Scripture because you think you're going to find eternal life, but it's Scripture, it's, it's it, it's they that bears witness to me. How would he have explained this in the context of himself and his great redemptive work? And it's like David striking a, a victory over an enemy that nobody else could defeat so that the entire nation and population and family of God's people inherit the blessings. It's the same here with Joseph, one obedient, faith-filled, God-honoring guy has saved a great number of people who now benefit from these blessings that are beyond belief. And I'm going to suggest to you that that is how Jesus would have taught this. One person, faith-filled, obedient to God, saves, provides, cares for the masses, his family, and they inherit the blessings of his saving. Next week then, we will talk about Genesis chapter 48. But until then, God bless.